0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello. This is Gigabit Nation. Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Suttles. And I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in the U.S. I am broadcasting today from Austin, Texas, home of the soon-to-be Google Fiber Network, and also here with the Broadband Communities uh, Summit, which is bringing, has brought together just a huge number of people in the industry to talk about a lot of topics relative or valuable to the, the discussion of broadband. Uh, one thing that has become prominent is the discussion on economic development. There's, there's a whole track devoted to that. And earlier today, I, uh, I did a keynote with uh, Bill Sproul, who is the uh, chair of the board of directors for the International Economic Development Council. And, you know, we talked about broadband. And we also talked about a survey that I have conducted uh, recently, which asked a lot of questions about how does broadband impact local economies from the perspective of the economic development folks who do the work, who are involved in in this discussion. And so the show today is really a carry-on or a continuation of the discussion that was started this morning about, uh, you know, what is the value of, of broadband to economic development, what does success look like, and also how do you work with economic development professionals to actually ensure that you achieve the promised benefits of having a broadband network. So joining me today is Jeff Finkel, who is the president and CEO of IEDC, the International Economic Development Council. And uh, Jeff and, and his organization have been, you know, the core enabler to these surveys that I have been doing since 2006, and we have learned a lot of valuable uh, stuff over the last few years that we've been doing this and I'm extremely happy Jeff to have you on the show today welcome welcome to Gigabit Nation
1: well thank you very much Craig and uh, I'm sitting here in Washington DC uh, we have no snow on the ground which has uh, been been unusual uh, for the winter this has been a long winter and, and I'm looking at the uh, website for uh, Uh, the summit that you are calling me from, and I see a number of friends who have uh, uh, spoken besides Bill Spruill and you. I see uh, Cynthia Schultz, uh, who has spoken at IEDC conferences before, David Sandell from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I see he he was also a speaker, and this is just looking at the speakers on the S page uh, (laughs) of the alphabet. So um, it it, it sounds like it's a
0: no, sorry, go ahead. no it's, a, it's a good gathering of folks, and definitely the discussion about economic development has become front and center uh, in this annual conference. So you know your your colleagues are here, uh, you know, and, and lots of people wanting to know how they impact uh, you know economic development. Now the the, the survey that, that I've done was initially uh, started because in the media and in political circles and policy circles, there were all these proclamations back in the day of the Muni Wi-Fi. You know, there were all these proclamations about these are all the benefits of, of, you know, this technology and how it will help local economies. And I was skeptical of some of those. You know, some of those claims about, you know, we'll get more conventions to come to town or we'll get more people to return after they graduate from college. And so I started polling. IEDC members to really check some of those assumptions. And, and, and every year, it seems like, uh, there's something in the survey in which conventional wisdom of those who are not in the profession, you know, come out and say, you know, this is not, this is not exactly right here. Let's talk about this. So, so, Jeff, let's start with, number one, you know, describe what IEDC is and does and, and who the members are. And then maybe segue from that to talk about, you know, how uh, has broadband, you know, become a factor in in in, the, in economic development circles, say over the last three or four years.
1: So, the the International Economic Development Council is um, easy to describe in that we are the membership group for the full time practitioner. Uh, who is uh, undertaking economic development in their state, community, region, and sometimes neighborhoods. Uh, we define economic development as the creation, retention, expansion of jobs, and development of tax base and the enhancement of wealth. Um, we have about um, 4,400 members. The IEDC is still somewhat aspirational in Mm -hmm. that uh, probably well less than 10% of our members uh, are internationally based, and even those are uh, Canada first, uh, English-speaking countries such as uh, England, Australia, New Zealand, uh, people in northern Mexico, um, are, are where we tend to find our international members. At our annual conference last year, I think we had 18 countries represented at our annual conference, but they they were still less than 10 percent of total attendance. Mm -hmm. A typical typical member will be state economic development director or their staff, city economic development director or their staff, county development director or their staff, public-private partnerships who are trying to recruit businesses to a community, Chamber of Commerce officials who will focus on economic development, universities who have a, a, a vision or a mission, and some private sector folks in utilities, rural development efforts, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: So, so now how, from your position, have you seen broadband become part of the landscape or is it not part of the landscape or discussion at least
1: in, in economic development circles? So, you, when you asked the question a couple minutes ago, you said, "Well, you know, how's it changed in the last three years?" And I want to, I want to say it has probably been ten, twelve, fifteen years, and mm-hmm. it 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 depends on the sophistication of the community. It depends on the industry needs, um, in terms of, you know, what they expect. Out of broadband um, well, let me give you a, a couple for instances in uh, Cleveland Ohio, uh, the state of Ohio may have been an early uh, place understanding what uh, did they want out of broadband and you know what were their assets how could they deploy uh, broadband in a way that uh, made sense for their community, their region. And they actually commissioned a a fairly big study uh, to understand first, uh, you know, where was uh, broadband located in the state? How did they uh, uh, take advantage of their capacity? And one of the first things they did uh, was they tried to figure out where the uh, where uh, the capacity was going through the region, and uh, uh, it, it was interesting. The people in Cleveland, Ohio, for instance, uh, frankly discovered that uh, that they had a lot of broad- broadband ca- capability. Uh, some of it uh, dark; it, it, uh, the the lines had not been lit up. And, and frankly, they did not know uh, how to access it or how to use it as an asset to, to their economic development efforts. Um, but once they saw this map that, uh, that uh, uh, the state of Ohio generated, they then started to figure out what they could do and how they could do it. Mm-hmm. I want to give you a second example, which is on the other extreme. Uh, A number of years ago, IEDC was doing some technical assistance, and and we uh, we were hired uh, by the uh, Levi Strauss Foundation. One of the things uh, uh, Levi's was doing is they were closing down uh, a variety of gene uh, factories, as you may or may not know, Uh, Levi's was the last gene manufacturer who continued to uh, produce most of their genes in the United States but Lee and their competitors had all um, offshore outsourced a a lot of their gene operations well they had a a cut and sew operation in Warsaw Virginia I believe was the the community and uh, and a hundred people and they're making Levi genes in Warsaw well um, Levi's was a very generous company. Uh, they, uh, you know, they upgraded people's retirements. They created packages, but they also um, had IEDC. I think we were this was, was may have been before our merger, and we were called the Council for Urban Economic Development. It was uh, there were two organizations that merged in 2001. Anyhow, uh, so we uh, we hired local staff to assist with economic transitions in six communities around the country where Levi's was cutting um, um, capacity. Well, lo and behold, and and I was on the team that did some analysis in Warsaw, Virginia, and and literally, Craig, this was 12, 13, 14 years ago, we found an Internet economy that was built around um, uh, uh, broadband. We found companies operating there in the middle of, this is fairly rural Virginia, and you're sitting there scratching your head and said, one, how do they exist here? Well, how they existed, and this was before the merger of Bell Atlantic and GTE to, uh, uh, to become Verizon. GTE, this was their major location in Virginia, and if you were in Warsaw, you had broadband. Mm-hmm. And all of these companies learned about this, and people were selling things online. They, um, the, there were a variety of broadband applications going on in this very small city of Warsaw. So the economic development uh, uh, capabilities of broadband, at least in a number of places around the country, have been realized and appreciated for, uh, for in many cases, 12 or more years. Right, okay. Interesting background, you know, because we
0: in the industry, I think, have have no clue (laughs) that, uh, you know, this stuff kind of has actually been around for a while, and it is, you know, now starting to uh, happen. One of the things that's interesting, I'd like to get maybe your your take on, is that it seems like, you know, we're going along. We've had, uh, you know, wireless networks and high-speed networks, and there was a whole fiber Boom days during the dot com era when there was going to be fiber optics everywhere, but it seems like you know in, in 2005 there was Muni Wi-Fi, and then in 09 uh, there was the broadband stimulus, and then in uh, maybe two years ago Google announces they're going to bring fiber to uh, what is it to uh, Kansas City, but it seems like there's some big public event is what happens that ends up getting people on a broad scale to start talking about, you know, high-speed Internet access and economic development. Does that sound like, you know, I mean, once you get past like stories of some of the places like Cleveland and, and Warsaw, that it takes some sort of major, I don't know, event to kind of galvanize people's thinking or they're talking around the topic of economic development and broadband?
1: Um. Maybe in your world.
0: Okay. Maybe,
1: maybe in the media. But, you know, here's what an economic developer does. An economic developer works with a customer, a client, a business. And that business has certain needs. Um, so let's say we're dealing with the Coca-Cola Corporation, and they're trying to locate a... Uh, a Desanti, I think, is how it's pronounced, a bottled water company, which is a Coke subsidiary. Well, you're not going to put that company uh, anywhere that has water shortages. Mm-hmm. You're not going to put them on a um, on, on an infrastructure where you cannot guarantee them the amount of clean water that they need to purify even further. DeSanti, uh, uh, to be specific, is is not a spring uh, water-fed water. Uh, They're not looking for spring water. They're looking for a a, a reasonable source of water, and then they're going to filter it down to the level of of degree that they need it filtered down for to truly call it a, a DeSanti product. In the same way that an economic developer is going to treat DeSanti, Uh, they're going to deal with a research company, a headquarters operation, an advanced manufacturing firm, and they're going to make sure that if they need high-speed Internet, uh, broadband of some sort, that they're going to, one, help them locate in a place where they can provide it. They may actually make sure they put them in a place that they can achieve some redundancy, Two different providers, two different uh, uh, approaches. If necessary, to make sure that if uh, uh, you know, uh, let's say the cable company goes down that was providing them uh, broadband from one direction, that the uh, that the telephone company, who also may be competing and providing uh, broadband, can provide that to them as a redundant service, so that they don't lose a second of downtime uh, based on their uh, Uh, a need for that infrastructure and so I don't view it and maybe I'm being a little naive I don't view it as anything other than a check mark on a checklist anymore that if a company says they need it that the local economic developer either is able to provide it or if they can't they lose the company and they're not going to lose many companies before they go to their uh, business leadership and their civic leadership and say, if we don't upgrade Internet to certain uh, industrial parks, to certain parts of our downtown, to certain buildings, we're going to lose tenants, uh, industrial clients, customers, uh, without the uh, broadband that we need to make sure that these customers are competitive in our community.
0: Mm Interesting. Interesting.
1: Um, so let's talk a little
0: bit about the, uh, the, the survey and some of the results. I mean, some of these may be a surprise to you, some may not, but, you know, it will be interesting to get uh, your, your take on some of this. Uh, I, I usually start these surveys by asking folks about, you know, what's the state of broadband in their area. So I always feel, you know, any kind of discussion, any kind of broadband project, should start with an assessment of you know where things are in real terms right so when we looked at um, the issue of competition, which on the yeah. policy side you know in the broadband industry is a big it 's a hot topic, but what a, a significant number of the uh, respondents, like forty percent are saying that they have um, one uh, dominant cable company, one dominant telephone company, and almost no competition either. And so as a result, prices for, for broadband services aren't necessarily cheap and services aren't necessarily great or great as they could be. Does that surprise you that there are that many folks saying that they live in in what is in essence a duopoly, or do you think that percentage is low?
1: Uh, you know, um, and – and Craig, I don't have the I don't have the experience other than my the places where I have lived.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, and so in in my neighborhood, in my community, in Alexandria, Virginia, and I must say that I I am uh, I live about ten blocks, maybe twelve blocks from the Office of Patent and Trademarks, you know, in a huge federal uh, bureaucracy that manages you know, some of our technology-led development, um, I only have two options for, for broadband, and it is that duopoly that you just talked about. I, option one is, uh, is the local cable company. Option two is the local phone company. That may also be true, uh, although the federal government may have an ability to entice other companies to compete for um, you know the Office of Patent and trademarks uh, uh headquarters location because uh, that would be a huge customer, but in the residential neighborhood which I live ten to twelve blocks away, I only have two options I suppose I have a third option uh, and that might be the Hughes network um, and i've never ever tried uh, capturing it from satellite.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Because um, my, my take on a
0: lot of the policy discussions about, you know, how do you get better broadband, especially in smaller areas, is that the government has to take on uh, or address in some way the issue of competition because a lot of folks, will report they have little or no broadband coverage or maybe more accurately it might be to say that a lot of communities will say we have broadband but we don't have speeds and service fast enough to be able to, you know, take advantage of the latest education technology or take advantage of the latest uh, business, uh, you know, in cloud computing and you know, moving you know, big data through data centers and so forth, that the issue isn't so much or isn't just an issue of is it available, but is there enough of it available that today's business needs and, and business needs down the road three or four years are being taken care of. Yeah. And, um, I mean, how how do you feel about that particular discussion? Because that's what's going on like, in our world, we'll call it, and, and it may not have... Uh, you know, touched into the into the economic development circles.
1: Well, and let let me um, let me narrow what economic developers are interested or are, are worried about. Um, you know, the economic development director in Alexandria, in the whole scheme of things, does not care whether whether I have high speed internet in my neighborhood or not. Um, and most economic developers don't unless they have such a high percentage of 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 companies that are operated out of homes. Um and and that is a growing trend. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um the economic developer is lo- is interested in certain places having uh uh, higher broadband capability, because they're going to worry about, uh, let's, let's take uh, my example of Warsaw, Virginia, you know, they're going to, there's probably, and I'm going to make up a number, there's 100 businesses in Warsaw, Virginia, and let's say a third of them truly are relying on broadband uh, in a way that makes their, uh, it's a make or break uh, for their business and of of those uh, only a third of those have a sufficient number of employees that they that the economic developer says we absolutely have to have as fast of an internet capability as possible for that. Mm-hmm. so we're only going to worry about certain places, certain speeds uh, and and capacity. So, when we talk about community wide systems like the the Google system in Kansas City, mm-hmm. i mean that that certainly benefits economic development uh, in in all aspects of what a community's doing but it, it from our perspective, and i don't want to and i 'm not bad mouthing what Kansas City has done or what mm-hmm. google's done, but that's overkill for what the economic developer needs um, what we need. Is certain companies who it's a make-or-break issue for, and we have to deliver it. Um, is there a need for the federal government to come in and regulate? Is is this like uh, uh, banks who used to redline certain neighborhoods and and not provide loans, and, and now we have telecommunications companies or cable companies not providing enough bandwidth? Um, maybe but doubtful I I think they're going to I I think they're going to provide broadband they're going to provide high speed internet if there is a market there and if they can uh, recapture their investment into going into those places
0: Hmm, okay
1: now if you are the economic developer for a place that uh, broadband is absolutely essential and the telephone company says, we can't do this without X, Y, or Z. And I can't imagine they're they are not going to say they're not going to do it, period. I think they're going to say they're going to do it without something. You know, many economic development needs need resources of some sort to make the project work. They may need an off-ramp off of a highway. Uh, they need, you know, uh, they may need duplicative power sources they may need something and communities are capable through the state legislature through federal resources or local resources of providing it and if if broadband is what's necessary to meet the needs of certain businesses it seems to me that's where the local community needs to step up and, and guarantee it um, you know um, I will give you another small story, and 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 uh, and uh, the city of Arlington, Virginia, next door to where I currently live. I used to be on their economic development uh, uh, commission uh, for many, many years. Well, the city of Arlington, and, and it's a wealthy city. It's a, a very urban city. It's a very uh, compressed city. It's a, it's actually a county, uh, but it has all the appearances of a city. Um, they used broadband to control all their infrastructure, all of their uh, streetlights, all of their traffic lights, um, the uh, connections between police stations, fire stations, and an ed- uh, 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 libraries, uh, offices, or were on a city or county-owned broadband network. One of the things that we debated is, should, could uh, that broadband network that Arlington County was using to managing all of its systems be used to support the business community. At the end of the day, we decided not to because that would uh, compete with the existing broadband providers, and we felt that uh, we needed to let the broadband providers um, actually you know, do the private sector uh, provisions that they normally did. But if I were a community that did not have uh, satisfactory broadband, I might be looking to set up my own broadband network, and uh, and, uh, and 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 you know, first use it for the governmental use that you could use it for, and then second, uh, if necessary, uh, provide it as a as a, uh, a resource available to the private sector as well.
0: Mhm. Okay. Um, in- interesting. Um, you know, we uh, I think we get into our certain views of the world, and especially people in the industry. You know, I see this. I mean, you got you come to an event like we're at here at the in Austin. You know, and you see a lot of the same folks, and there isn't necessarily a dialogue, maybe with the uh, economic development folks to kind of get this kind of feedback, you know, the kind of feedback that you're, you're, you're presenting here on the show. I mean, do you think that's a, uh, an issue? Do you think that there is a, uh, you know, I call it a lack of the policy side of broadband and the industry side of broadband to really engage the economic development professionals in some dialogue to really talk about what's needed in, in, in their, their communities? Well,
1: so I'm sure a dialogue is always healthy and is always necessary. And I'm sure, you know, and I operate kind of, uh, you know, I am a policy wonk in a a market-focused economy that, and economic developers tend to try to even out market differentials. Meaning, you know, oftentimes we're working in low- and moderate-income neighborhoods to create jobs. Um, so, you know, where is the um, the policy support for those places that are being underserved? I mean, there are communities that are being satisfactorily served. There are some places that are probably uh, served better than they are capable of figuring out what to use with all the capacity that might be able to be available to them, but where the policy discussion needs to be always it's almost no matter what issue it's in those areas that are underserved mm-hmm. and we can and, and we can define those places pretty easily on uh, for most issues it's going to be your low And moderate-income neighborhoods it's going to be where the marketplace is traditionally underserving them Uh, you know they they may have higher crime they may have more dilapidated housing they're going to have older infrastructure they're not going to uh, they're the place that gets cable last they're the ones that get uh, broadband last they're the ones that uh, uh, the streets may even be upgraded last because they also have the lack of political clout. You you add to that rural locations. and uh, But if you have, you know, New York City, I am confident, uh, you know, any major headquarters location in downtown Manhattan is going to have almost as good of an Internet as money could buy. Um, you take any wealthy neighborhood uh, in the country with regional national state corporate headquarters, um, my guess is the provision of of high speed internet is probably available to them mm-hmm. it makes sense for those companies to do uh, to to make the infrastructure investment because they know they're going to get a return on investment pretty quickly right and okay. Where where the policy discussion most likely has to be is in the two areas that I identified, low-income neighborhoods and rural neighborhoods. And and some of those are being served, and many of them probably aren't. So, um, you know, Craig, I I think I'd be surprised uh, to learn that, uh, you know, that those other places that I talked about, the wealthier neighborhoods, the places with people who can pay – are probably being served adequately.
0: Uh-huh. It's, it's interesting, you know. You bring up that uh, correlation between um, the income status of communities or neighborhoods and their and the prevalence of broadband. When Philadelphia was planning its mini Wi-Fi network in oh oh uh, six oh well, actually 04, 2004, they did a fair amount of research, and one of the things the research proved, pointed out is that you could plot the uh, level of broadband adoption by the economic status of the community. And where basically the more wealthy folks lived, that's where they had good, passable, you know, uh, broadband. And in the poorer parts of Philadelphia, there was just, you know, there was just nothing there. And, um, and that started a lot of obviously lively discussion back then, and I mean it still continues about that correlation between, uh, you know, well-to-do neighborhoods and broadband versus the lower-income ones.
1: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, um, uh, uh, that's how the market works, mm-hmm. and whether we like it or not, and and many of us don't like it, but it, you know, it probably makes sense that uh, people would uh, invest in places where they're going to get the return on their investment uh, first and foremost. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, talking to the issue of um, communities driving the, the process, meaning cities either owning it outright or they own it through their public utility or they ask a, a company like Google to come in and provide services... In in your general observation of and and talking with members and whatnot, do you get some sort of sense, some sort of general sense about what is the level of interest in pursuing uh, community-owned broadband assets in one form or another? Yeah,
1: so that's that's an interesting and as I indicated a minute ago. We had that conversation in, in Arlington County. Mm-hmm. And uh, and some jokingly refer to Arlington as the People's Republic of Arlington <laughs> in that it's a uh, progressive, if not uh, liberal, uh, community on in a whole variety of ways. And so if there was ever a place in Virginia that might well think about Uh, community-owned infrastructure um, they passed Um, and they passed because they did not they thought that that investment would be redundant to the infrastructure that the private sector um, was already invested in and that If they got into that business, the private sector might pull out of that business, and they weren't so sure that uh, that they needed all that money tied up in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and you know, and they're like Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's only going to be so many communities that are going to want to own their NFL teams. In fact, I'm sure the NFL would not allow any more Green Bay, Wisconsins, um, which happens to, yeah, uh, which owns the Green Bay Packers, as as many of your uh, people listening to this probably realize. Mm I I do not know um, uh, how many communities out there. Are ready and willing to um, you know build a community owned infrastructure um, and and I would add that you know the places that are probably best capable of doing that are probably the ones that are being served the best already by the private sector mm-hmm. because you can you can achieve a return on investment. You can achieve a strong adoption in your wealthier neighborhoods. You're probably least able to afford a community-wide infrastructure in the types of places that I talked about. And, um, and the, the problem with a community-owned infrastructure is, you know, are you going to be left behind as the technology changes? Um, you've put all your money into the current uh, technology, and are you going to be left with Betamax when VHS wins? Or are you going to be left with VHS when everything moves to CDs? Or are you going to uh, um, be left with CDs when everything has moved to, uh, you know, click and order on Netflix and watch something instantaneously that you don't have to return to anybody? And and uh, you know many a politician has probably died on their sword by choosing a technology that didn't work. Right. And and uh, I I think that would be a concern I would have for a community that decided to go out and build their own network, own their own network without a significant. Uh, of them being a minority owner of a network with the private sector taking the major amount of the risk, both technologically but also in terms of sales and support of whatever system you set up. Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm.
1: That's a definite uh, issue.
0: I mean, I know it's one that I talk about and, and, and folks here talk about, you know, even at the conference and whatnot, about the, danger of obsolescence. So you're basically, when you assume the role of the provider, you know, as a community, you have to be prepared to address that danger. You know, I don't necessarily advocate that it always happens, but i got plenty of examples of communities where, you know, they have been successful at this and they have managed to keep pace with the technology and so forth. But I do tell folks that you have to really clearly look at what you're about to do so that you understand this is a very real danger. And and you can address it in any number of ways. But, you know, and I think one of the ways, like, for example, I'm working with this project in Iowa where the, the, the community foundation says, we want to own the business of dark fiber network. We want to own that infrastructure, and we want to ensure that it is used in an open access way that ensures competitive pricing. And so they are, you know, they look very hard at what's our responsibility for this from a management perspective, uh, from an upgrade perspective, and, and, and so forth. An exercise that assessment exercise, I think, is 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 very valuable. And then, and as other communities might decide, you know, we will go halfway on this in the sense of, you know, we'll go for the infrastructure, the core infrastructure. But we're going to do it in such a way that we minimize the danger of obsolescence that you, that you talk about, Jeff. Yep. Interesting indeed, huh? So let's let's talk about a couple of other uh, uh, points in the um, in in the survey. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, you know how how sufficient is the technology? You know, do people feel it's sufficient? One of the things with the survey is this year was I asked the question about, uh, you know, do people feel that their current broadband is sufficient for, and I list off uh, specific uh, elements of business, like drawing new businesses. I look at specific elements of education and specific elements of uh, medical health care delivery to say or try to get the discussion along the lines of it's not just that you have broadband available, do you have enough to do the things that you want uh, to to do? Um, do? do you think that economic development folks are looking at things in that level of detail? Um,
1: you yeah. know, and the answer, The answer is I don't think so. Um, okay. I think they i i I think they look at it on a case by case basis. Business by business and it, it kind of depends on size of community now I think if they have four companies in a row say uh, we are not capable uh, that a company doesn't choose to locate in your community and the and the reason is is insufficient broadband then uh, then they're going to start to deal with it as a a strategic issue, a policy issue, that their community needs to get their head around. But if mm-hmm. they only lose one, then uh, they're probably not worried about it. But So I, I'm trying to remember uh, there is a new surgical device, and maybe it's not that, uh, uh, that new. Um, and I've seen it uh, uh, at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, that there is this machine, um, and I, I think it may be called the Da Vinci uh, uh, surgical system. And a surgeon can, and and I could be wrong by this, by the way, and it could it could have, but it's a name like Da Vinci. It's uh, named after a, a, a famous scientist. Okay. So a surgeon can sit in an office in Johns Hopkins University. And, um, and they can do a surgery in uh, Plains, Georgia from Johns Hopkins. Uh-huh. And, and so let's say you have a world-class heart surgeon. And I, I cannot tell you, by the way, what, what surgeries have, are, are acceptable for this equipment, what surgeries have been done, you know, and how many people are out there Uh, doing this at this point. But you do not want to rely on the fact that you're going to lose your broadband uh, in the middle of one of these surgeries. Oh, yeah, that would be critical. Yes. So you're not going to rely on the fact that sunspots uh, flare up someplace and that whatever uh, communication method you are using – Get affected by sunspots. You're going to have to. You're going to want to be relying on a, um, on, on a on a a, 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 a wife or uh, a connection, a broadband connection, that is one guaranteed, two highly secure, three capable of managing lots of data very quickly, uh, reliably without interference, and. You know, I'm not sure as I'm not sure as a country, I'm not sure as communities, I'm not sure as economic developers. We are thinking through uh, complex issues like this, where this is probably the future. Um, you know, when uh, if you are in a rural community and you don't have access to top-notch surgeons, but you have the ability. To access one of these machines, and by the way, as I understand it, there's also a surgical support unit in the room with you. You're, you know, you're not just relying on this surgeon. You know, 800 miles, 1,000 miles, you know, 2,000 miles away. You've got you know people in the room assisting you, and po- probably a surgeon capable of taking over, but not necessarily with the skill of the person who is a long way away. But I, 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 I'm not confident we're thinking through what will be the broadband needs of the future, how, how much speed do we need, and what will be our business needs in the future. That right. I'm absolutely unclear of. Right.
0: And, and do you feel that, though, that leaves you vulnerable? Well, I mean, not you, you, but, I mean, does that leave communities vulnerable if their economic development folks
1: aren't doing that kind of due diligence? So. So, you know, this recession has been particularly difficult for the United States. And um, we did lose a lot of uh, companies that left the shores because of, you know, outsourcing, offshoring, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, as we started doing cluster analysis, what are the major businesses that we were relying upon? um, Two of the major business uh, clusters – that many communities were reliant upon was education and medicine, meds and eds is what uh, the the short uh, shorthand that many people use when they talk about that. Well, what are two of those businesses that need broadband a great deal? Education and medicine. Um, you know, I just gave you the medical example, but the, the second is if you were going to. Uh, if you're at a major educational institution and you wanted to uh, learn about what's going on in Pakistan and a major Pakistani official is available to you, you could uh, you know, Skype them into a room. You could uh, uh, you know, do some type of live interview with somebody using some type of technology. Well, it's only going to be worth the broadband connection that you have. Um, you know, if you're thinking about running it over copper wires and, uh, and uh, you know, you might be able to listen to somebody over the phone, but you have, with the technologies available to us, you can do much better than that these days. And the question is, if you're not capable to do that as a small liberal arts college located in, you know, Dubuque, Iowa, and the people in Kansas City are able to do that um guess what your your reputation as a place may start to deteriorate because there's so many cool things going on because of the level of technology that another place might have mm-hmm. you can't you can't let yourself get there right so but with you I with you I'm speaking to
0: the choir <laughs> This is true, but it's also helpful. Well, you know, let's actually talk about uh, this a little bit more. Um, one of the the um, sessions today was the the one that Bill led and I participated on. That was basically telling a room full of technology folks and vendors and people from other parts of the city infrastructure, the city staff, but all involved in broad with broadband projects. You know you need to understand how better to interact with the economic development professionals understand what their world is what it's about what's important and so forth and how they can help move everybody together toward having broadband impact these economic development goals from your perspective you know how do you see you know or what do you see as good ways in which those who are not familiar with economic development, how should they engage, you know, your members, your professionals, so that we all both get on the same page and achieve what
1: benefits the most amount of people for time and effort spent? Well, I, I think uh, the first thing is, as Craig, you've done a, a great job of helping to educate some of our members just by the surveys. And and the results of the surveys. You have uh, you you've been sensitizing people. You've made them think about it. I think second, I would hope that. And I and I don't know your conference uh, that you've participated in all that well, but it is my hope that many of the attendees are internet providers, uh, broadband providers. Uh, um, you know. Uh, Telephone companies, uh, cable companies, and and frankly, um, many of those companies ought to be having uh, discussions of engagement with their economic developers in the communities where they're serving. Um, I'll give you a couple examples of how some companies were pretty forward-thinking in that line. GTE, before it merged with Bell Atlantic to form Verizon, they had all, their public affairs staff was largely made up of, of former economic developers.
0: Mm-hmm. They were
1: out in their communities, helping their communities think through the relationship between the GTE infrastructure and uh, the economic development needs of those communities. Um, i've had uh, a past chair of this organization was a former GTE employee, uh, and you know he worked uh, out of uh, uh, Texas, uh, Arlington, Texas, I believe, is where GTE 's uh, world headquarters was. Uh, one of my former board members uh, was that person 's boss, uh, and as you looked across their infrastructure, almost everywhere, their public affairs units had economic developers in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our public-private partnership organizations um, are are organizations that are trying to recruit businesses, communities, and um, they get some of their money from the local government, but they also get a a fair amount of money from local businesses to help them fund their economic development efforts. Um, Ten years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, the types of businesses that were contributing to the economic development effort from the private side is, is different today than it was 10 or 12 years ago. Two new players uh, that we didn't see at the table writing large checks, hospitals, they're in the economic development game these days, and cable companies. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you look at the major cable companies, and many of them are sitting at the table They are major contributors. They're on the boards of directors of local economic development organizations. They are in a great place to help educate economic developers around the country on what are the infrastructure needs. The private sector who are sitting at the table at your conference ought to be going into the economic development offices wherever they are invested. I saw... Uh, one of your speakers works for Forest City, uh, a development corporation out of Cleveland, Ohio. I know Forest City pretty well. She was in the residential uh, unit at Forest City. Where they are considering new residential facilities and, and Forest City builds lots of residential communities, ought to be going into the planning department, the economic development department, and emphasizing the infrastructure needs that their residential communities have. That type of communication will in fact yield results over the long haul mm-hmm.
0: hmm.
1: that makes a lot
0: of sense i mean there's a there's got to be this willingness uh, on the part of um, the 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 private sector the providers and also the community stakeholders that are pushing broadband networks. You know what I described earlier today as um, you know there needs to be a, um, a discussion, a technology education of the economic development professionals so that there is an understanding of what this technology is and what it does, what it can and it can't do, so that those professionals, those economic development folks, can then go to their businesses or go to their home-based you know, based entrepreneurs and better articulate... You know the questions: Do you need broadband? Why? What kind of broadband? What speeds of broadband? And be able, because of that technology education, understand the answers that they're receiving from constituents and how to best respond to
1: those constituents. I mean, does that that seem to make sense? That makes a ton of sense. Um, that that is probably how it works. And you know, good economic developers, organ, uh, well-run economic development organizations go through strategic plans on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And one of those nodes of a strategic plan needs to be about infrastructure. And if um, if somebody listening to this program uh, knows that there there's insufficient broadband infrastructure in a community, they ought to make sure that the economic development board, the city council, the economic development director knows of that weakness, that gap. And hopefully as they go through their next strategic plan, it will become one of those to-do items that uh, the economic development community, staff, leadership, public works director, whoever, is starting to think about how can they meet that unmet need.
0: Okay. We've got about three minutes uh, left, and now that you've, you know, you've touched on the issue of planning, I want to take the one question in the survey that actually addresses planning. You know, it asks folks, do you have an economic development plan that includes tactics for using broadband to improve their local economy? And there's roughly about 30% of folks uh, have a plan, have an economic development plan that incorporates broadband. you got another 20% that are developing the plan. On the other hand, you've got about... 30% of folks who don't really believe the, the, the broadband promise, if you will, and so it's obviously they haven't planned for it, and um, I think there's another 20% to fall in some other area where basically they haven't done the plan yet. Do those numbers sound, number one, about right, but Mike, more importantly, uh, do you think there's a need to get more people to, un- to, to, to engage in planning for broadband?
1: You know, yeah,
0: in the communities.
1: Um, so, you know what an ostrich does? I think when it gets fearful, uh, I think, I think they high bed. <laughs> I think that, I think they put their head in the sand, don't they? Oh, uh, most and, sure. and I, you know, what your statistics tell me, unfortunately, is is some people have not gotten it figured out, and they're sticking their head in the sand. Yeah. And I um, and and Craig, I think it's going to be up to you, and it's going to be up to me, and it's going to be up to people who are helping our economic development communities and and um, economic developers figure out that sticking your head in the sand is to, uh, is going to do absolutely no good for the communities that they're working in, mm-hmm. and that they need to view this as just as an important of an infrastructure as water, sewer, natural gas line, redundancy in electricity, and if they don't have broadband, they're going to be out of luck in the future.
0: Right, exactly. And, you know, granted, I'm a little biased on this question, but I, I feel very much the same way. Um, you know, it was good, well, one, it was good having you on the show and, and providing your feedback You know, I found out that there wasn't a live stream of the sessions that that Bill led today, but I think that those were valuable also because it allowed the people who are championing broadband and saying we want to do broadband for these economic reasons and so forth, it allowed them to meet the economic development professional. And it's absolutely scary. I've been doing this stuff since 2005, and there's always been a horde of people talking about the economic benefits of broadband and Wi-Fi and all of this, but they're just, they haven't built the bridge to talk to you folks who actually do this work, and it amazes me. It, it stuns me, actually. So I'm hoping that, you know, as we get into uh, this next you know, couple of years, that more of this kind of dialogue happens. So, you know, thank you for being part of that discussion and helping us know the economic development professional more or better
1: well thank you for having me and uh... i uh, i appreciate all the work you're doing on educating the economic development community uh... about broadband and its importance and uh... congratulations for uh... Your, it sounds like what were wonderful sessions with bill Sproul, our chair today mm-hmm. uh... Th- there in austin texas
0: well- and, and to our audience, thank you very much for listening in again. We appreciate your support. We're almost at that magic mark of 100,000 folks having listened, or 100,000 listens to our show, and uh, we're, we're pretty happy for your support and appreciate it. Next week, we're going to talk to uh, the city of Highland, Illinois, and talk about their success that they've been having with their broadband network, uh, addressing economic development, and a number of other issues as well. So stay with us, and We will talk to all of you again uh, pretty soon in the future. So have a great day. Talk to you soon. With Lucky Lands Plus, you can get lucky just about
1: anywhere.